Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Oh, this is going to be fun. Welcome back, everybody. This is Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer with you uh, in studio. Edmonton sporting icon, uh, longtime Edmonton media personality. Uh, we welcome back to the show. We do this once a year, John Short. Hi, John. How are you? I'm fine, Mr. Stoffer. How are you? Good. First time caller, long time listener. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Uh, so you want to talk about the Baltimore Skipjacks or uh, what's going on? Uh, eh? I, I will always remember that. Bob called me and said, do you know the name of the Baltimore team in the in the American Hockey League? And I don't think I did. Oh, no. Oh, he did. You, you, knew, you knew it. So <laughs> you knew it. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of an interesting, uh, you've, you've had such a, a wide-ranging career. And, and I, I'd like to maybe just educate our listeners, some of them who have grown up with you, a lot of our listeners have, uh, but others who sort of, you know, heard, oh, you know, because for me, um, there was there was four voices on radio. There was Wes Montgomery, who's no longer with us. Was and it? I think he was the best of all of us. Yeah. He was more versatile than any of us. He yeah. was wonderful. He was an incredibly funny guy, unbelievable uh, MC at events, fun guy. Uh, yourself. And then the two guys that did play-by-play, John, you know, you obviously, I had the privilege of working with Rod Phillips for a couple of years, and then uh, Brian Hall, who did football. Those were the four guys I listened to for, you know, for the better part of 20 to 25 years growing up as a kid. And and ironically, I, I ended up working with uh, three of the four, and, and, and I'll be honest, I had more than one or two drinks with Wes over the years. Well, well, sports welcome bar. to the club. Yes, everybody did. <laughs> There's guys all over Edmonton that are laughing right now about that. When did you, uh, when did you give us a little bit of a, you know, a, a history lesson here. When did you get to uh, Edmonton? I got to Edmonton first time in 1963. I was in Calgary, and I got offered a job with the Canadian Press which was, of course, my background until I got into radio. Right. And Canadian Press then sent me back to Toronto, and there was at that time a serious financial issue, so I went back to Trail and ran a paper there. Uh, 
had to get away. It wasn't a financial issue, family issue. Yeah. I had to go back to trail, and uh, then I felt like I was marooned in this wonderful small town, but as a media guy, there was nowhere to go. So I wound up uh, making a telephone call to the Edmonton Journal. I came here. I was uh, with the Journal. Then I went back to Canadian Press, which I loved, really. Right. And I went to CP, and uh, then I became the, the public relations director of the Oilers, which was, honest to God, the second worst job I've ever had in my life. What was worse? <laughs> I spent a little while with uh, working for a man named Alan Huntsberger. Okay. And, and I will not discipline, I, I will not even hurt his organization or the remains of his organization by telling those who don't know what the organization was. All right. Well, let's get to, uh, you worked for Peter Pocklington. You were, uh, I you preceded Bill Twilley in the role of PR, and it was only a year, right? Two years. Last Two year in the WHA, first year in the NHL. I'm the guy that met the plane that brought Gretzky to town. That's one of my favorite stories. I get him off the plane, get he and Peter Pock, uh, Peter Driscoll and um, Eddie, Mio? Eddie Mio off the, off the plane, and Eddie he was a nervous wreck anyway. You knew him. He oh. just was a guy who, who vibrated quickly. Um, so I said to him in the rain, a terrible rainstorm, I said, I, I said, are you going to be able to play tomorrow? Game against Quebec, I believe. And he said, well, you know, if the coach requires me to play, I'll play. And I thought there wasn't a chance on earth because they'd come through this terrible storm from Indianapolis. Asked Peter Driscoll the same question, and Peter, big, strong forward, said, they want me to play, I'll play. So you ask... The 17-year-old kid, skinny as a rake, looked like if you gave him a glass of tomato juice, he'd be a thermometer. Yeah. And and he said, I didn't fly through that crap to watch an air to watch a hockey game. Yeah. <laughs> that was Gretz's attitude. He played, as you know, in terrible circumstances. He didn't like to fly. There were a whole bunch of things he was still doesn't not. like flying. No, he doesn't. He's never going to. But he he was more edgy then, I think, than ever. Yeah. And and he was, as he got off, he, you know, we always talked about how red his ears were and how red he got when he was upset. He was white. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't like any part of it, but he played the next day and got a couple points. So you, you, you're you you're the PR guy. Did you know right away with, I had Jim Matheson in studio yesterday, but when you're around the team, did you know right away just how good that, like, because you would have, like, you know, you grew up in Ontario, so you would have heard about Gretzky's exploits from the time that he was 10 years of age. But did you see it right away in the World Hockey Association? how dominant and how special he was? Well, you knew he was going to be, but you heard all the hockey experts, including Rudy Pillis, who was a very good hockey man. Sure. Say, was with Chicago he, and Winnipeg, right? Yeah, who said he's never going to make it. He doesn't skate, and he's not big enough to play to be a player who doesn't skate. And, of course, skating was never Gretz's game. He was His skating ability was, was underrated. He was a good skater, but not a great skater. And then you think, no, he's going to take terrible punishment. But he was so darn elusive, and he always said he learned that from playing lacrosse. Yeah, well, and and, and wow, right from the get-go. So you're two years, first year in the uh, NHL as well, and you're working for Peter Pocklington. What was uh, what was that like working for Peter? Difficult. What, 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 John Short joining us in studio. John, tell us why you know there were challenges with Peter. Well, we know that that uh, Peter was uh, not overburdened with truth. <laughs> <laughs> he he oh, he told me more than once you are what you believe and he believed he was going to be prime minister he believed in i mean those he believed in were given all kinds of latitude glenn sather being exhibit a right he once hired a soccer coach because he thought he looked like glenn sather 
Was that Kai Hoskovy? Kai Hoskovy. And, 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 and that was the way he operated, um, totally by instinct. One day, we, we were in Toronto for one of these, or in Detroit, for one of these uh, pre-NHL meetings, and, and flying home, I said to Peter, I said, why are you doing this? Why are you driving yourself like this? He said, because standing still is a waste of time. Yeah. And he did eventually go into politics, and he made it to the second round of the leadership for the Conservatives, right? Well, yeah, second round, I guess you could stretch that. He he um, he put a group of followers together, and, and you know, you and I both know that they were not very serious about it, but it was always easier to say yes to Peter and then go do what you wanted to do, which is what Sather did all the time. <laughs> That's an interesting perspective. Let me ask you, I mean, Peter's... I, it was funny, because we had an event down in Palm Desert... Oh, seven years ago. And it was after the story had come out about Peter being in trouble with the U.S. government. And I watched guys that had, and I'm not going to talk about Daryl Cates because it wasn't him, but there were other guys there that had big-time money, like big-time liquid. And they were more interested in going over and saying hi to Peter than to any of the players that were at this event. Like, it was just, he, you know what? Oh, I got to go see. And, and, like, these guys were worth six. And they, these, some of these guys would have four or $500 million liquid mm-hmm. at the snap. Like, they had that kind of money. Yeah. And, and, but that's how much reverence they had for, I got to go see Peter. I got, what was it about him that? that I'm, I'm not, I, to be fair, I mean, I also heard from very wealthy people who used to say, how do you, how do you work with him? How, yeah. do you, how do you spend any time with him? I'm not sure it was reverence. I'm absolutely sure it was a kind of fascination. It's okay. A, a little bit like, I don't know, like looking at the big snake, wondering when he's going to go and, and strike. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Peter, my, my worry with Peter, I'll give you a quick story. When I left, he had a soccer team and a, and a hockey team yep. when I stopped working for him. And he um, quite simply didn't pay the bills for the soccer team. I was, being get, I was getting three checks, one from Peter, one from hockey, one from soccer, and one from Pocklington Financial. Right. The soccer coach said openly to me, John, I can't pay you. Peter hasn't given me any money, and I'm leaving. I'm going to, to run my little newspaper. After I, I mean, I felt like I had to get out of here because my, sacri- my my credibility had been destroyed right. by working for Peter. So was this in the, dr- in the days of the drillers with the NASL? Yeah, this yeah. was not the indoor team. This, no, no, was, this, the, was, this was the team that... They had all those Dutch guys, right? Had, they had, had a whole bunch of Dutch guys and some Czechoslovakians or Yugoslavians as, as Yugoslavians, as Coach Hans Cry used to call them. Right. And, and, uh, Who was they, Dutch, by the way. Was, yeah, but they didn't get along very well. So I would travel with them a lot. And yeah. I, I, of course, traveled some with the hockey team and, and did what, I guess, PR guys do. But at the end of this, Peter, I said to Peter, I went into his office, I shook his hand, I said, I'm done, I can't. I don't work here anymore, you know I'm leaving. He said, that's right. I said, you owe me this much, your organization owes me this much money. Peter said, yeah, that's, that's probably correct. Sue me for it. That was Peter Pocklington. Wow. John Short joining us in studio. Well, then the irony of the scenario is, so you left in 1981, right? Uh, no, 79-80. 79-80 was our first year in the NHL. Right. And, so you, and, and the night that, that the team was eliminated in the playoffs by, by, by Philadelphia, sure. I said goodbye to all the guys in the room. You knew that? Oh, I told them all that. I'm done. I had set it up so I could go the minute it was over because I couldn't work for Peter. I mean, one day he told me, by all means, I don't want you to talk to a specific media guy. 
I don't want you to talk to him. Please don't talk to him. The next day, the story that Peter didn't want me to discuss with him had been presented inaccurately, untruthfully by Peter. Who was the writer? Terry Jones. Terry Jones. <laughs> you, uh, Wayne Overland was gone by that point, right? Oh, yes. Because yeah. he had a very unique relationship with uh, Bill Hunter as well as with Charles Allard when uh, yeah. when the doc was still alive. And yeah. and he he swung a pretty heavy stick, didn't he, back in the day? He, well, the, the truth of, of, of Wayne was he didn't like anybody. He didn't. He didn't like anybody. Wow. And 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 I mean, and that's and that's. He didn't like. I'm sure he didn't like his mother. <laughs> and and that's the way he was. He treated everybody with with, uh, not disdain, but certainly disinterest. And and if you had a point of view that wasn't his, it didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting stuff. John Short joining us in studio. Edmonton sporting icon. Uh, he he left the Oilers in 1980. When we come back in Oilers now, we're going to start talking about the Oilers becoming a powerhouse. John worked on the broadcast for a number of years. Uh, and, and obviously, it's easier when the team's winning than when they're losing. And you went through both of those experiences. We, we saw both sides of that. You saw both sides of that. We'll get to that when we come back in Oilers now. When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. ProAmSports.ca Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a ProAm Sports Certificate of Authenticity and Hologram, you know it's 100% authentic, hand-signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, ProAm Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at ProAmSports.ca. That's ProAmSports.ca. This is Zach Cassian from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bod Stoffer on 630 Chet. It's 1245 in Edmonton. Some guests on our show received gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Reminder, Wednesday night, state night at Roos Chris. That's where you can find Brendan Ulrich. Two can dine for $120 at uh, Ruth's Chris. John Short in studio with us. The legend himself. So you leave after the first year. They lose to the Flyers. You had enough of Peter's act. When did you get back into town? Well, that was... Uh, I, I went, as I told you, to, actually, I, I bought a piece of a small maple, a newspaper in Maple Ridge, B.C. Okay. A weekly. And uh, I found out that I managed it weekly. <laughs> I could do everything with it, except I wasn't very good at walking up to the guy saying, you owe me this much money on your advertising. Uh, you know what? We're starting to get that sense that this has been a bit of a reoccurring thief for you. Well, uh, you know, uh, no, this was just a question. It was my own fault. Right. The first thing I should have done was hire an advertising manager and make him responsible for collecting the funds. Right. Right. Yeah. And it didn't happen. Well, the other thing is that Maple Ridge was a beautiful city, a beautiful community. Um, the people in it didn't know whether they lived in the Fraser Valley or they lived in Vancouver. So you were always trying to dance with two partners at the same time. Right. So when I got an opportunity to come back and work for Alberta Report, I came flying back here. And then, of course... Now, that was the Byfields, right? That was the Byfields. Now, they're t is it fair to say they were a tad to the right on the political spectrum? I, I remember once sitting with Ted Byfield, and, and he was offended to find out that he was not to the right of Attila the Hun. There you go. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he was a marvelous teacher and, and an excellent writer and in every sense a good guy. Politically, you had, I mean, you could disagree with him, and I did, but, there, but he had strong opinions, and he always backgrounded them with knowledge. He didn't just fire an opinion at you because it was right or left. He had thought about it. Okay, unlike maybe a current U.S. administrator? Um, I know where we're going with that, and and see, I've, I spent enough time with guys like Byfield as a result of the Byfield Association to believe that for all the noise that's being made in the presidential office in the United States, he really does have a plan. See, I'll give you one quick one, Bob, and I'm not a political guy, right, you know. Right. The first thing he does is to say, we have an $800 billion trade deficit. Right. Now, do you honestly think he can go to China and say, hey, how come you aren't nice enough to give me some of that back? Right. How come he can't go around the world and say, gee, I'm a really nice guy and our economics aren't great and our, 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 our employment has diminished and all these things? Now, why don't we just sit down here and shake hands and why don't you give my, my company two or three hundred billion dollars? It doesn't work like that. He's walked in and said, I'm going to fight you. Now, right or wrong... That's the way I read what he's doing. Yeah, John Short, and and you used to, you, hey, you used to do like when the provincial elections were going on. You were you would do that beat too, even during the days where you were doing the Oilers uh, pre and post games. We would do both both federal and provincial. We'd do elections until the result was in, and then we'd switch within minutes. And and uh, at CFRN in those days, they were absolutely amazed that the the callers were so loyal. Whatever they did before. 9.30 or 10 o'clock. Right. 10 o'clock, the phone rang, and all of a sudden, we were back in business. And I always loved it. John Short joining us in studio. Bob Stauffer with you. So you, you come back to work for the Alberta Report. How long until you end up over uh, hosting the games, uh, working with Rod Phillips uh, over at CFRN? Uh, About a year? Pro, year, and a, year and a half? Pretty close to a year. Um, and and uh, Jim Edwards finally offered me the job. And I'd heard the job was open, and I mentioned to Jim that I'd like it. Former MP, by the former way. Former MP and yep. manager of that radio station. And, and I told him that I would like it. Well, when they didn't hire me, I didn't even get a telephone call say, John, we're going in another direction. Oh, okay. I heard the show, which was not world class. And... Uh, then I, I just never listened to it again. Yeah. And one day Al McCann called me and said, will you call Jim Edwards? No. Rod Phillips called. Tiger Goldstick called over a period of a couple of weeks. Yeah. And McCann called back finally and said, if Jim Edwards calls you, will you answer the phone? Yeah. <laughs> and the next day I was in radio. And it took a while after that before I became part of the broadcast of, of the hockey crew. Right. Because I went off the air when hockey started and came back on when hockey ended and then it dawned on them that there was a period of time that an, a third voice I was never more than a third voice with right. Maddie and Ken Brown and all those other guys but but a third voice in addition to Rod and his main color guy could be bad another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, and sometimes I guess it must have been because they kept me doing it. All right. Uh, since this show is called Oilers Now, we're going to get a little Oilers-centric here. So you're watching the evolution of this team. Was there a point before they won in 84 that you didn't think they were going to win a cup? Uh, or or did you think, 
even after the upset in 82 and, and then getting swept in 83, it was inevitable that they were going to win the Cup. Uh, you want me to tell you how smart I was? I once wrote, and I caused Glenn Sather to laugh at me for weeks. I said that the only way that the Oilers could win quickly was if they made a massive deal and gave up Glenn Anderson and somebody named Fuhr. <laughs> and you can't be more wrong than I was at that time. <laughs> But you know what? You get humbled in this business all the time because you're, you know, you talk about potentials of players and. I mean, we're talking about yes, a Paul Yarby on today's show, and I think back to uh, watching in, in 95, 96, 96, 97, and I think that was the transition from John Sexsmith to Sid Smith on the Oilers pregame show. And I, I remember thinking, like, there were guys that didn't think that Ryan Smith could, you know, oh, he doesn't skate well enough, he's not tough enough, he's never going to, he scored two goals in 48 games, Bonsignor is going to be a better player than Ryan Smith. And the mid, there, there, there were people that thought that in the first couple of years of coming out of that draft year, and then Ryan just took right off. Well, and, you, well you know why we bought it, and, and, and we can bring that right yep. to the current. We bought it. Because Barry Fraser was a wonderful scout. His record says he was a wonderful yep. scout. And he kept saying, Bonsignor's better than Smith because Bonsignor skates. Right. He also said Steve Kelly's better than Shane Doan yes. because Steve Kelly's a better skater. In spite of the fact that 17,000 people at uh, at Northlands Coliseum at the time were chanting, Doan, 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 Doan. And, and, and any time you talked in, you know, and, and Barry and I had a pretty good relationship yep. for a long time. And, and Barry was quite open about it. He said the difference in skating was enough. Well, he said, and I said, but but what about character? What about those elements? He said, it isn't my job. It, it's changed. At that point, he said, it's not my job to determine character. It's my job right. to determine talent. See, there's an, and there's the evolution of scouting. Now they do personality <clears throat> tests and all those other things. So you, you're, you're right that they're not going to win unless they trade Fuhr and Anderson. <laughs> Was there a highlight in that in that run with five Stanley Cups in seven years for you? Was there one specific event that you, one game that you remember the most, or any time it got important um, for me? And I, I mean, I, I was a fan, you, and you know the balancing act. You got to sit here and say I'm an Oilers fan, and this is a negative thing that I see that I must discuss. Right. I must yeah. describe. Well. There were guys in that Oiler team, and we love to say that the team morale was wonderful and everybody loved each other and they all did come by a hugs four days a week. Wasn't true. Right. Absolutely wasn't true. And But I know of two players who hauled one of the defensemen into the... the, the, the into a washroom, I guess, or a locker room one day and said, this must change. Won't name the defenseman, you probably know, but it changed <laughs> and and he became a contributor rather than somebody who spent an awful lot of time in front of a mirror yeah well, it's amazing how uh, that works out <laughs> I, I, there's a whole generation that does that today john short joining us in studio bob stoffer with you and others now uh i'll give you a couple things for me i mean i'm i can pretty much remember where i was every step along, and i listened to you throughout the entire 1980s and often called into your show like yeah, I, mean, I remember I, that i would I, I, I would suggest that i probably called in over from say 1983 until 1990 see you're on the air you got 200 let's say you got 240 shows a year over a seven year span that's about 1500 shows i probably called in 1200 times <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not kidding, John. I probably oh, I called you it. Were, you were a regular. You got, I, call, you, I called it a year show and into Dad Russell's show in Vancouver <laughs> when I was working up north because you take those calls. What are you doing up in Fort St. James? Like, I would call it, like, you know, yeah. I just, I'd be chuckling because I'd say, hey, that's, that was it. That was bad. But a couple games, obviously, the, uh, the first cup everybody remembers. Um, I remember the Oilers winning in 87 and giving the Stanley Cup to Steve Smith yes. after what had happened in 86. That was a spectacular, yep. for me, a very special moment. Uh, I loved how they won in 1990 without Gretzky. Yes, and oh. I still remember Craig Simpson literally crawling into the into the goal crease yeah. to, to get one of the most important goals. Against Boston. Yeah, yeah, sure. in. Second goal against Boston yes. in Game 5. Yes. Uh, did you expect that one? Especially after I, I, the heartbreak of what had occurred in August 9th, 1988? I think that's why I expected it. I believed that they knew they could get another one. And I also knew, and I'm sure you did, uh, that at that time I was still close to them, um, I believe that they were unhappy, the Paul Coffees and all of those others who got into pure, purely financial situations. Sure. They regretted virtually having to go because that was the business side of the world of hockey. Yeah, and Coffee obviously went during the course of the 86-87 uh, season. Yeah. And that was, uh, and they, that, that team that they won, or sorry, the 87-88 season, uh, that team that won in 87, I mean, they. That, I, I actually think that was their best team. I do too. Mm-hmm. I do too. And, and I guess what what I loved about that was that the minute, well, I, I mean, for me, to see Coffee leave, you know, interesting. I always thought that the most two exciting Oilers, not talking about best, Messier was incredibly physical and Gretzky was wonderful. Yeah. But the two guys that could get me out of my seat, even in the press box, were Coffee and Glenn Anderson. And you wanted to trade one of them. <laughs> I, 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 but that isn't a want to. That was a, a need. Of, it was a need. It's use that as an I, asset. I, I, it was a, it was an error. I yeah. thought you might. He has. He's going to be really good. But remember, he had a reputation as a space cadet. Yeah. And it wasn't entirely undeserved that reputation. I'll never forget, uh, John. Just as we go to break here, after Steve Smith scored on himself in '86, you said on the air to because. Uh, Fans were upset because, you know, two straight cups, and, and the Oilers shot themselves in the foot. People forget there was 10 minutes left in that game. They had lots of opportunities to still tie it. They'd lost three games already in that series, weren't overly disciplined how they played. But you said Steve Smith has uh, the ability to be an all-star in this league, and people need to be patient with him. And in 1988, 1990, he was a critical part in those two Stanley Cup championships. So kudos to you. You had the vision on Steve Smith to believe he was going to be a pretty good player. He became a good player, and he's now coaching, which proves that he learned some of the th- he's learned to sell and to, to, to project some of the things he learned here. All right. John Short with us. When we come back, we're going to talk a bit about some of the tough times in the 1990s, uh, the change with ownership and John's passion for baseball and boxing. We'll head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell.